0: Let's go ahead and open in the order of prayer tonight. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, we thank you for your word and teaching from it. Father, we thank you tonight for the, the praises that we've heard. We thank you that, that Robbie and Faye's sister is, is at home and, and that Mike scan they were clear, and, and, and Father, we're very thankful for answers to prayer, Lord, and, and how you have worked. Lord, we, we do pray tonight. We, we think about the sours and, and the scan that they're going to be having, Lord. We pray that you would be uh, with them as they go. We pray that you would be with uh, the doctors and the technicians those the, that are doing the scans and looking at them and evaluating, Lord. We, we just pray for that whole process, Lord, and, Father, we just pray that you would be with them. Father, we pray for our time tonight as we um, open up and and study about this topic of assurance. Father, of our faith and of being in you. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So tonight we're going to kind of continue in our study on assurance of faith. This is a study that is uh, put together by Dr. Joel Beakey and it's, it's through uh, Ligonier Ministries and um, he's kind of walking us through this topic or this subject of, of having assurance that we are indeed born again, that we, we are children of God, that we, um, that we are in Christ and having that assurance so, Please turn with me tonight in your Bibles to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Book of 2 Peter and chapter 1. And I'm going to read tonight. In chapter 1. Um going to look at at verses 2 through 10, and we're going to see here what uh, the Apostle Peter, writing, has to say to us regarding the doctrine of assurance of faith. And so, beginning in verse 2, we read, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see here some evidence that Peter gives. If they are yours and they are increasing, it's evidence then that leads to assurance. If these things are lacking, then you have reason to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so we've been looking at knowing that we are in Christ, knowing that that He is in us, having this assurance of the fact that we are regenerate, we're born again, and we're a child of God. And so last time we kind of Established that having assurance of our faith um, was supported by Scripture, we can find it there, and that it is the norm. So all believers everywhere, uh, all time should seek after and should experience this full assurance as, as the book of Hebrews puts it. And so tonight as we continue studying, we want to um, look together actually at the doctrine of assurance as seen kind of in church history. How, how have those who have gone through church history looked at this doctrine and this topic? And in order to do this, Dr. Beakey actually pulls from what many, many would consider the greatest or the most significant document pinned on the doctrine of assurance. And it's actually chapter 18 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. So this, this is a document that was drawn up in 1646 um, as a confession of faith for the Church of England. And so basically what it is, it's a summary or kind of a distillation of what it is that the Church believes. So it's much like our Baptist faith and message, right? It's just a very um, a summation of what it is we believe. Um, but the, the, this Westminster Confession of Faith is really, it's really detailed, it's really thorough in the explanation of these doctrines of the church. And so in chapter 18, um, the, the authors here talked about assurance, and they, they kind of divide this, paragraph, this section into four paragraphs. So the first one talks about various possibilities that, that a person can have in, in relationship to assurance. The second paragraph talks about the the grounds of assurance. In other words, what are the evidences that that lead to confidence and and assurance in the believer's life? The third paragraph is on cultivating assurance. So in other words, how do you get it? And and the last paragraph here is about the the loss of assurance. So what what happens if you lose your assurance and then how how do you get it back? How does that process work? And so this is what they, they wrote about and... Um, Tonight, we're going to focus on this first paragraph, one that talks about possibilities that people can have uh, in their lives in relationship to assurance. And so um, this is kind of what we mean. So what are the various possibilities? Well, first of all, um, it's possible for an individual to have false assurance. So in other words... It's a believe, It's it's a non-believer who has assurance of their faith when they shouldn't, right? They, they should not have assurance. Um, who is a non-believer who is, has kind of become convinced that they are a believer, right? And it, this happens. Um, and we'll talk later about kind of how and why this can happen. The second possibility is that a believer can have True assurance. And so this is this is the goal, right? This is the, the, the perfect scenario. It's where we want to be. This is a, a genuine believer who should have assurance, and they do. Then there, there's this third possibility, which is a lack of assurance. So in other words, uh, this individual is a genuine believer, and they should experience this full assurance of faith, the, the joy and the peace that comes with that. But for various reasons, they don't. And so those are, are kind of the three different um, categories that, that a person can fall in in relationship to assurance. And so we'll look at, at these tonight. And we'll look at this first category um, of false assurance. And again, this is, this is an absolute tragedy in so many ways. This is a very dangerous thing. Like this, is, this is eternally Dangerous for, for an individual to be a non-believer, but to think that they are a believer and that they're saved. This is, I mean, this is Matthew 7. This is, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew. And so, we want to look at tonight uh, some reasons why this might be the case. Uh, one reason could be arrogance about our level of spiritual Maturity, right? We can be overconfident in our level of maturity and where we're at. We, we naturally want to think of ourselves as more mature than we are. Right? Our, our minds want to um, believe kind of what will put us at peace. And so some people can be self-deceived about their spiritual state and their, their level of maturity. Another aspect A a false assurance can be religiosity of our lives, and so this is where you know some people would would kind of have the the mindset, the idea of like, surely after you know, with with all that I do for the Lord, like I must be His. I I do all these things, Um, and so they equate what they do with their assurance of faith. Um, And so when when they get to looking at, hey, I've I've done this in my life, I've done this in the church, and and all these different things, um, they can confuse that with regeneration, right? With a new heart. With loving and adoring and pursuing Jesus as most precious in their lives, and so this religiosity kind of takes place of that, and, and it can lead to false assurance. Um, a third reason can, can be unwillingness to examine our hearts. Again, that's hard mental work. It's hard spiritual work. It's hard emotional work. Right? It can be very unsettling. You know, What if we examine ourselves and find that, that there isn't evidence of our, our faith? I mean, there's, there's a big part of us that doesn't want to know that. And so we can, we can just kind of ignore it and pretend that it, it's not there, and we don't address it, and, and that everything is fine, because we don't want to go there. And so that can be another reason for this false assurance um, that someone can have. And then Dr. Beakey, he, he, then, he draws from the writings of a Puritan named Anthony Burgess, and he kind of gives us some categories or some types of false assurance, and we'll kind of walk through some of these. Um, one of them he calls automatic assurance. And so the thought here is that well, you've probably heard a lot of times that, that preachers and, and teachers will say, you know, this thought that, you know, if someone's prayed prayer, if they've walked an aisle, then it's done, right? there. They're, they're into heaven. It's all good. There, there's no need for self-examination. It's, a, it, it's automatic. It just happens. It's assumed. Um, external assurance. This would be um, where someone else maybe has told them that they're good to go. They're, they're saved. They're good to go. Um, they are a child of God. They, they are in Christ. So somebody such as a pastor or somebody else has told someone, and so they kind of cling and hold on to that as their assurance. Um, some people have ex- experiential assurance. So uh, this would be anybody that's had maybe had some kind of a, a mystical, um, you know, maybe some people talk about you know out of body kind of some any, any kind of experience that they've had. Uh, again, they kind of cling to that as their assurance. Um, charismatic or emotional. Uh, this would be. Um, Someone who who has perhaps experienced one of the miraculous gifts, right, like speaking in tongues or something like that, um, and that leads them to have assurance. Um, minimalistic assurance. Um, again, just kind of squeaking by to get get into the heaven. Um, legalistic. Assurance is another one where, where someone, you know, they've kept all, all the rules, so God is pleased with them, and so, of course, they are his, they're his child, would be the way they would think. Uh, presumptuous assurance. Again, that's kind of like some of the ones we, we've we talked about before where it's just kind of assumed um, that it happens. And then uh, the last one is is what he calls hyper assurance, which um, basically means that, you know, if your parents are believers, your grandparents are believers, then, then you think, someone might think, hey, I grew up in, in their home and therefore I'm a believer because I grew up in that home. And so, uh, again, another reason someone could have this false kind of assurance. Um, and like we said earlier, this is very dangerous, right? For someone to, to have a false sense of assurance that they are in Christ when they're not. Um, it's just very, it's a very difficult thing for someone to realize and to admit they're actually, you know, what Scripture says they're an enemy of God once they, if they have believed and they're convinced in themselves that they're a child of God. Like, to to have someone to, to come to that realization and admit that and then repent and believe is a very difficult thing. And so, um, many people are walking around with this kind of false assurance. Now, while false assurance uh, is a possibility, there's another possibility, which is true assurance, right? This is, like we said, this is the ideal scenario. Someone who's a (coughs) genuine believer, they have the confidence and assurance that they are. And if we go back to the the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is what we read uh, regarding true assurance. Uh, those believers can have assurance who truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him. And, and notice that in this case of, of true assurance, it, it all goes back to Christ. Right? It's all about Christ. He's at the center of it all. Those who truly believe in him, love him, walk before Him, right? It's all about the person of Christ and and His work and His obedience and and union with Him that brings about true assurance. And so, one of the the main ways that we can have go about uh, finding this true assurance, this full assurance is going to Scripture, right? That's, That's where we go. We don't look to other people to tell us we're in Christ. We don't rely on experiences to tell us that we're in Christ. We don't (coughs) assume that we're in Christ. We go to the Word of God. And so there are several things that we see in Scripture about this. One thing is we see that saints, those believers in the Bible, they show us that they had assurance. You know, the Apostle Paul writes about that, the assurance that he has that he's in Christ. Um, also, many scriptures show Christians how to get assurance. We think of the passages in First John that we looked at last week and talk about this. Um, there are commands in Scripture to have assurance, to rest in Christ. Uh, we see in Scripture when we when we properly understand and when we use the, the sacraments or ordinances in the church you know, baptism and the, the Lord's Supper, and, and because of the participation and the, the encouragement of, of the church body as a whole, when it's rightly done, they can help lead to confidence and assurance in our lives. Also, we've mentioned uh, before the, what he called, what Dr. Beeky calls the, the uh, exercises of divine graces. and And by this, what he means is um, looking for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, so you know this consistent growing over time in the Christian life of peace and patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Those things um, steadily growing in our lives. We also see in Scripture uh, what He calls signs of grace. And By this, He means things like uh, what those things that are found in the Beatitudes. So, are we meek? Are we poor in spirit? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? All of, all of those that are, that are those present, are, are they increasing in our lives? And if they are, then they show signs that we are in fact born again. And lastly, when we look at Scripture, we see it talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit through our souls. So this the spirit that dwells in us. Who believe it, and it confirms to us that we are in Christ. And so we'll talk uh, more about those further on in the study, but it's kind of an overview of that. So when we look at this, we see so far we've we've talked about uh, two options. We talked about false assurance, so having assurance when you shouldn't. We've talked about true assurance, having assurance when you should, and now we see this third option of Lack of assurance. So it's not having assurance when you should. As as a genuine believer. And so what we would say here is that it is possible for believers who are truly born again. Who who really do possess true saving faith. To not experience the, the peace and the joy that should accompany it. Because of the the fickleness of of our feelings and our emotions, that kind of thing can happen. So um, Dr. Beakey again quotes one of the the Puritans with um, saying this. He put it this way. When we have faith without assurance, we will come to heaven in the next life. But we will take heaven out of this life. So in other words, we are are truly saved. We'll enter the glory of heaven to spend forever worshiping and serving the Lord. But while we're here on earth, if we lack this assurance, we're going to miss the joy. We're going to miss the peace. We're going to miss the pleasure that, that comes with knowing we are in Christ and He is in us. And so the last thing that we'll look at this evening is what to do. About this lack of assurance. Um, kind of look at what, what those down through church history would say is that, again, it starts with examining self, of taking this honest look at your own heart and at your own mind. And, and, and we do this in order to, to kind of see and to find, to diagnose what's bothering us. Why, why don't we have this assurance? What is it that, that's, that's holding us back? What's causing the problem? And so there are some possibilities there. You know, maybe there's unconfessed sin in our hearts. Then we need to confess and to repent of those sins. Perhaps there's a lack of pursuing God, a lack of pursuing His righteousness, of, of, of being intentional with the spiritual disciplines, being intentional in obedience to His Word then we need to foster those disciplines and we need to to seek to obey the Word. Maybe it's not placing faith in it and not trusting in the promises that God has made to us in His Word. And if that's the case, then we should seek to believe and to trust in those things knowing that God is faithful. He's always faithful. He always does what He says He will do. And, of course, all of these things, um, all of that's much easier said than done. It takes time. It takes hard work. It, it takes accountability. It takes the support of the local church. Right? There's no, no magic fix. There's no silver bullet. But, but assurance is possible. Uh, we can know that we are in Christ. We can know that he is in us. And we can know that our faith is genuine and, and real. And so again, the, the, the goal, where we want to be, is true assurance. We're truly, genuinely saved. We are in Christ. We are His. And we believe that we are. And so next time we'll come back. We're actually going to take a deeper look at um, these divine promises of God in His Word. What He has, has said about Himself. What He said about us. What He what he has said that he will do um, as we trust in him by faith. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for Dr. Beakey. We thank you for his work that he's put into this. We thank you that we can indeed have assurance. I pray that you would be with us as we continue to walk through this study. Lord, and, so that we might examine ourselves. We might Find that truthful assurance. So, Father, we uh, pray that you'll be with us as we leave now, as we go, as we continue the rest of this week. Father, may we love you, may we serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.